Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We're your morning show for any hour. We have a lot of news today. There are Biden poll numbers. There's an immigration bill. There's a weirdly a lot of news out of the Grammys just when we you thought award shows didn't matter. They matter now. They matter today, Vic. But before we get to all that, how's it going? Hello, Mary Catherine. Doing fine. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my good friends, Todd and Kathleen Palladino, their daughter, Melina Rose, and, and Sue and Rich Covey, because they were the surprise guests at my birthday party on oh, for birthday nice. dinner, my birthday dinner on Friday. These are high school friends of mine, Todd and Sue I went to high school oh, nice. with. I really was not expecting them. And in fact, both of them, they called me. Oh, how are you? And like, what's that so noise? In sorry, the we can't. We be can't with make you. it. And they're like, Oh, I'm in New York at the time. Todd says, and so we show up to the Palm, and I'm like, Okay, I was thinking maybe it's local friends. Maybe it's. And we were with our kids, so I actually did think for a moment that it was going to be dinner with my in-laws. I'm like, Oh, okay, here we go. And we turn the corner, and there's, and there they are. And I was taken aback, and it was wonderful. You sort of have to switch though your mindset mentality from sort of yes. professional me to high school me. It's not pretty. I uh, think there's probably not that much modulation. That's true. After <laughs> after like the second martini, yeah. it's all the same. And then we went around for a nightcap around the corner. It was lovely and they were so generous. So thank you both for driving down and also for, for the, the wonderful dinner. And I am still in the process of losing that weekend weight yeah. because I, that's what I'm finding now. It takes me about five days to shed the weight from two days. You're just carb loading for the week. For the week. I'm trying. You know, you, for... got, you need a lot of energy during the week to do the things that you need to do. And during the weekend, you for the load weekend, up. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. But, you know. It, to it, work hard. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Except for if you end up having to go out during the weekday, then it gets more complicated. Mm. Then you're, you're thrown off. I yeah, can you, see how this is hard. For you have to a lot be careful. People. Yeah. It's, uh, you have to be a good planner. I always wanted to do a piece on the, the perils of being the U.S. Secretary to the United Nations because every every ambassador, with the exception of Gene Kirkpatrick, I saw they go up there to the Waldorf Astoria, and then over the next few years, they just get larger and larger. They all did. I remember this with the late Bill Richardson just got bigger That'll and do bigger. It. It's hard. I think it's very hard. It is hard. Anyway, that's what's going on with me. Mary Catherine, how are you? Well, that reminds me that I'm, I'm going to go ahead and brag real quickly oh, about... I'm doing something called a transformation challenge. With you're always Orange doing Theory. some sort of well, you're that's doing because, some sort of a challenge. Well, that's and... because my brain works in short horizons, yeah. right? Like I need short like objectives. I've got six weeks, yeah. six to eight weeks of work here that I'm going to do. Okay, what I found out while doing the transformation challenge, which is an Orange Theory, Orange Theory thing, it's like eight weeks of three times a week that you're trying to hit, right? Orange Theory is pre it's pretty intense already. Right, it's like a High intensity interval training yes. is what that one yes. is. Although sometimes I just do the strength class because I like that. So in 2021, I also did this. Mm -hmm. And so that was, what, was that two babies ago? Anyway, the point being, several years ago, you do a weigh-in at the beginning of your your mm -hmm. event. So 2021, 21.6% body fat, 60.2 pounds, skeletal muscle mass, 139.4 pounds. How do they figure this out? You get on the little machine and it tells you. Wow. January 23rd of this year. Yeah. 21.6% body fat, 60.2 pounds skeletal muscle mass, 139.0 pounds. 
You so you are the same. I'm the same you as I same. was in 2021. That's that's a great sign. Which was two babies ago, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I think you know having more babies. That, that's what my challenges th- will get. I, I think having more babies, it, 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 your body becomes you know all used to that. It's it's used, it's to, used to it. It's used yeah, to it. Just, anyway, just, so I'm doing yeah. my challenge. Which means I might even be stronger. This is not a dietetic challenge. This is no, no, no. This has none of my challenges have anything to do with diet. diet. It's all I'm. I I put all the weight, no pun intended, over on the exercise and activity part because I like to eat. Yes, I sometimes do like a modified low carb thing, but I don't. I'm not too strict about it. Although I will say. This weigh-in happened during dry January, so no doubt the removal of some Factors. of those calories was not Factors, bad for me. Yes, done it after New Year's. Yeah, it's good. It's good for you. <laughs> Speaking of health, I want to also note yeah. I have a little parenting hack for folks. Okay. I don't think I've mentioned this on the show. My my toddler is a very physical child, speaks far less than her sisters did yeah. at this age. Not terribly concerned about it, but sometimes you want to get these things screened just to make sure there's not. Sure some underlying problem. So you get like a hearing test and sometimes you'll do a speech evaluation. Right, the hearing test Mm -hmm. is one of those things. So because I have this minor concern, I went through the process of getting the hearing test scheduled, getting the early evaluation scheduled. And this is like partly through the state government because the early intervention program Mm -hmm. works that way. And so as you can imagine, it requires several phone calls and then waiting for lots of phone calls and then delays in the the okay. scheduling of yeah. the appointments. And what I want to tell you is that if you have a minor concern about your child's developmental yes. schedule, yeah. if you make a very complicated appointment for them that takes a long time to get and a lot of legwork by you, yeah. they will be fine by the time you get to the appointment. So, Like most things, you just give it a little time. It works <laughs> itself out. So you're telling me. So this week, the toddler yeah, just speaking in sentences say it all kinds of new words so that when we go into the appointment they'll be like what is she here well, for well i think i i think she probably didn't just didn't want to go to the doctor so all right fine i'll talk <laughs> so nonetheless we will do the do the thing cuz it I'm is good glad, yeah, screenings good. are good more information I'm than glad. less is good for you but i'm i'm glad i'm glad though that she's getting chattier sometimes it just takes time i was told that i was a very quiet kid yeah. a baby i still am as you know very so. quiet no, I think I think she's a she's an independent kid. She mostly gets yeah. done what she wants to get done without yeah. needing to speak up. And we have encouraged her, obviously, at times that she is frustrated and just wants to scream at us that that's not the way to do things. Yes. And so I think the if I may give us some credit for continuing to encourage yeah. her that yelling is not the way that she gets things. Uh, there are a lot of adults who don't get that message. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one. So she is now speaking quite a bit more. And we'll Wonderful. find out Wonderful. more about that. But anyway, just a life hack. Thank you. You just need to do that part yes. where you, like, like, good news. Good news, it's of course. News. It's great. All right. Everyone's fear is, you know, the child in Mr. Holland's opus. You know, <laughs> you remember that? The fire, that fire engine and the baby's sleeping. Why didn't he wake oh, up? No. And why didn't he wake up? And then oh, and then right. Richard Dreyfus comes back and he's talked from behind, but there's no reaction from behind yes. to Cole's name. Okay. She's always She's always been like the proper amount of toddler obstinate versus yeah. hearing us so we knew that like on that front everything was her hearing's yeah. fine yeah but anyway we had everything checked <laughs> so, so that's what's going on in our house and so that's good news on okay. that front lots of bad news for president biden yeah in the most recent polling i believe we have a little bit of a Kornacki from nbc the, num- the numbers guy out there He's going to lay out a little bit of what's going on here. 
it's concerning to be behind Donald Trump at all, certainly by five points. That's the largest lead Trump's ever had over Biden in our polling. And I think what's more concerning from Biden's standpoint would probably be the overall trajectory of this. And I'm talking over the course of years, because we started polling Biden-Trump matchups back in October of 2019. Our very first poll back then had Biden ahead of Trump by nine points. And you can see all the way, 12 polls in the 2020 election cycle that we took, Biden led in every single one of them. It never got closer than six. The lead we tracked as high as 14 for Joe Biden. Of course, Biden ended up winning the popular vote by about four and a half points. That was 2019. That was 2020. Now, this is our fourth poll this cycle. Starting you know, last June, we had Biden ahead by four. That already was closer than any poll from 2020. And then from there, it went to a tie in the fall. It went to a slight Trump lead in November. And now, as you say, a Trump lead of five points. So not only is the entire political and polling atmosphere very different from what we saw in 2019 and 2020, even within that, there's a trend here that's developing in our poll where the news is getting worse for Biden. So the trend is bad. The trend yeah. is bad for Biden. This is the biggest lead, strongest lead Trump has shown yeah. since they started polling this question right. in 2019. A couple other factoids from this. The overall poll shows a five-point lead for Trump, 47-42. If Trump is convicted, Biden does lead, but only by two. Right. Within the margin of error, 45-43. For like a felony conviction. We are nine months from the election. He has a 37% approval. For comparison's sake, Obama's around the same time was fully 10 points higher at about 47 George W. Bush territory towards yeah. the end of Bush's term. Biden is down 22 points on handling the economy, 55-33. He's 35 points down on handling the border, 21 points down to Trump Oof. on handling crime, 16 points down on who is competent and effective, which is a, certainly a reversal from years past. The places where he does lead, 12 points. Advantage on yeah. how to handle abortion. Of course. And a two-point lead on what for them is the ball game, protecting democracy. That's right. Two points. Two points between- Two points for the whole argument y'all are making. Between democracy. They have to push it more then. They I have guess. to push it more. They got to ramp up the investigations against the people who are a threat to democracy. I mean, this is pretty remarkable. It is. And it might be, look, it might be fool's gold because it mm-hmm. might be that when- Trump is convicted, as I think he probably will be, at least at one of, in one of these situations. Counts, many um, of which we, well, I think, are bogus. But, right, but you know, like the the fact remains, yeah, he's like if you have a, bro- you know, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe that evaporates and it looks very different after that comes to pass. Mm-hmm. Should it come to pass? But that's imp- that's amazing to me that it's within yeah. the margin of error if he's convicted. That is, yeah, the White House if they knew enough to be scared, certainly would be scared by them. These are all, you know, what they'd like to think that all of these polls are outliers. And let's say the Quinnipiac poll that showed Biden up by about six. That's the real, that's where we're really heading. Uh, Except it's the one that looks more like the outlier. Exactly. That's not the definition of an outlier. And uh, they're trying to figure out why can't the American people realize how good they have it Right. This is the Paul Krugman thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a great argument. So good. Why don't you see that? And this is the president that's presiding over. And I think of two things. One is that despite all the various macroeconomic victories, inflation is ticking downward. It's not down, but it's ticking downward. Right. I mean, relative. 
and unemployment is very low, right? Mm -hmm. The economy is booming, they say. And growth did look good yeah. this month. We yeah. should note, however, that every time growth looks good, it does end up getting revised downward later sure. when we have like a, more like stats. a couple of weeks or a month later. But I don't want to. No, I don't want to no. write it off. But that it matters. Said, inflation, when it comes to particularly things like groceries, are still way higher yes. than you know, and the outpacing of what people are making. That's one thing. And the second thing is, at least for me, and I'm sure for you. Right. Even if things are great or getting better, I should say, not great, you're still not going to forget who put us in this mess in the first place. Well, so I think I'd like to think I think that might be part of it. Right. Yeah. Is that the inflation hits so close to home. People experience it regularly. Yeah. Everything, it's expensive. Everything are expensive. just is more expensive yeah. than you remember it being several years ago by a factor of many. Yeah. And one friend of the show, Jeremy Sanderowitz, was tweeting about this. So I'm going to crib it from him. And it, yeah. he agrees with you that. Part of this is if they think you're responsible for the inflation, then they're not giving you a bunch of credit for slightly yeah. ticking downward. Hey, look what I did. I, I cleaned up part of my mess. Which look, I, yeah. I would love to think that's the case because I do think you should hold people accountable yeah. as we have failed to do many times on things like COVID. <laughs> right. But maybe. They, yeah. But maybe they hope also that they forget just like with COVID. You know, we've always been we talk about, you know, and John Podhorge used to talk about all the time, the reckoning. You know, going into 2022, you know, that reckoning has to happen. Didn't really quite happen. I nope. mean, Anthony Fauci is still going around and, you know, people, are, you sort of erase it from your uh, minds, the insanity of it all. Right. And in fact, you know, when my friends were visiting, my friend was, my friend Todd was just talking about during that time, he was a cameraman and he was out of a job for a long time because you're not having anybody going into public. You're not filming. Everything is, right. you know, you, you were... Nobody was working and he Stop would, having jobs. That no, was the and he solution. would just go on these long walks every day because he said he was going out of his mind. Yeah. And I said, that's a lot of people. And think about people and, and kids in schools. And so you'd like to think people remember. I always think, though, I wonder if the Democrats are trying to study Reagan's 84 playbook because had the election taken place in 1982 or even early 83 in the midst of that recession, I think Reagan would have been in trouble. Mm -hmm. But- Things finally turned around, and then we hit the boom in 84, and he was set. And I feel like for them, for Biden and his team, this is the race that's going on. They have 11 months or nine months away. Right. Things are beginning to pick up on the macroeconomic level. When does it get to the microeconomic level and get people like finally realize, hey, wait a minute. Hey, I have it pretty good. I don't and need yet, to take my chance with the crazy person who is convicted. Right. Well, and yet, unlike Reagan, are they setting us up for a boom? Because, you know, they're the ones who spent all the money in the first place. Right. And then also you've got Good things, point. smaller things, but annoying things mm -hmm. that can be potentially really damaging, like the AB5 style Department of Labor rule that I talked about yep. that will affect freelancers. You've got everybody maybe needing to turn in their 1099s for their Venmos this year. Yeah. Just various trying to ban au pairs or right. ban... <laughs> Right. <laughs> All sorts of arrangements that work for people, I it's think, could work. by a thousand cuts. Yeah, that could work against yeah. them. And everything, including the environmental stuff. So you're talking about, oh, that too. you know, the, now they're backing off of the electric stoves thing because, you know, after the comments period. But they they were pushing for that. And obviously, electric vehicles. Well, then there and, was the LNG thing last week, which we haven't even yeah, talked about. Yes, the liquefied natu nat natural gas, which we're, you know, for the sake of the economy, we're not, for the sake of the climate, I should say, that we're not going to be you know, exporting that. And instead, these countries will go to China and Russia. Yeah, we're just going to not do that? Is, is that the plan? not exactly cleaner than ours. So, <sighs> great. Okay. I, I will say this, by the way. Yeah. 
My other thought is uh, why Biden is doing bad is because there was an understanding, I think, that for people who voted for him, that he had one uh, goal in life, which goal in life, which is to take out Donald Trump. Right. Right. And he was going to be a transitional president. And he talked about the future leaders of this Amer- of this country going into the next you know term in the century, the whole thing. Right. He's overstayed his welcome because, you know what? It would seem he it turns out he likes power. And it's, he's he basically spent 32 years running for this. He's finally got it. He's like, I'm not. I ain't, I ain't leaving now. I, ain't, I don't care if I'm in a and, and by or the way, a he's, cane he's, or whatever, a walker. I'm well, doing it. He has been running for federal office since he was 29 years old. Like he, do, he doesn't yeah. know how to do yeah. anything else. That's right. And he wanted to be president since what? His first run was 88. 88. So it's been a long time coming. And then he's also set up a great situation for himself, which is the only person whose numbers are lower than his, Kamala Harris. So you can't run her. They're in a bind. <laughs> They're in a real bind there. I also want to note, you know, we keep hearing about demographics that the Biden coalition must put together. And I want to say this. Again, things could change if and when mm-hmm. Trump were convicted. Also, Democrats have shown an ability to bring everyone to the polls in numbers that look like they're excited, even when they're not excited. Yeah. OK, because they're often excited by the possibility of Trump. That's their negative inspiration That's right. to negative get to the polls. So we should keep those things in mind. However, we keep seeing in the New York Times Siena poll that non-white voters, particularly non-college educated non-white voters, turning away from yeah. Biden. He needs those folks. He needs huge numbers of non-white voters. And then the other thing in this, the gender gap. Oh, you guys ready for this? In 2020, Biden won women by 15 points. He's now up by 10. Right. Mm-hmm. Which especially if you're running on abortion and democracy. Right. You would expect that number to be looking at least the same, if not better. Right. right. He's down eight among men in 2020. 2024 polling, Biden winning women by 10. And down twenty-two with men, so the men are getting worse in both directions. The men have right. had it, and you were talking about the uh, non-white voters, Hispanics in that poll. Trump now has a very small lead. He's not supposed to have as a Republican any lead. That was always no, the understanding. Ne- yes, was that you know what? As long as we have eighty percent or eighty-five percent of the vote or ninety percent, then we'll be fine of these particular minorities. And the same thing with black voters. Not to the extent as as Hispanic voters now who are turning to Trump. Right. It's really interesting. But you're beginning to see just within the popular culture, if you will. I was thinking about Snoop Dogg apparently said something about Trump that was, you know, yeah. somewhat positive. 50 Cent. It's like maybe Trump's. I think he was the one who said maybe Trump's the answer. And you're not hearing And as this. you know, famously endorsed by Waka Flocka Flame, whose name I'm not able to say right now. <laughs> Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> that sounded almost like a cuss word. But it I wasn't almost as. was like, we had to bleep that thing. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and you're not going to hear from the press. If they say these, if the people they like say things that, that, you know, they don't want you to hear, they're not going to play that up and they're just going to ignore it. Right. It's all very interesting. Yeah. Less than a year from the polls, guys. Yeah. And by the way, with early voting, it starts in October. It started now. In Pennsylvania, they started started now and and, and, and it's valid till 2025. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. All right, shall we do a little bit of SNL news? There's oh, a little sure. a little bit of 2024 news on SNL oh, this yeah. week. Nikki Haley takes the stage live from New York in the cold open. Shall we hear a little bit of that? Sure. A little cringe, but sure. My question is, why won't you debate Nikki Haley? 
Oh my God, it's her, the woman who was in charge of security on January 6th. It's Nancy Pelosi. For the 100th time, that is not Nancy Pelosi. It is Nikki Haley. Are you doing okay, Donald? You might need a mental competency test. You know what I did? I took the test and I aced it, okay? Perfect score. They said I'm 100% mental. And, you know, I'm confident because I'm a man. That's why a woman should never run our economy. Women are terrible with money. In fact, a woman I know recently asked me for $83.3 million. <laughs> and you've spent $50 million in your own legal fees. Do you need to borrow some money? Oh, Nikki, don't do this, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki Tiki Tavi. <laughs> Nikki, don't lose that number. Nikki Haley. Joel Osment, Nikki Haley, Joel Osment, we call her. Six cents, remember that one? I see dead people. Yeah, that's what voters will say if they see you and Joe on the ballot. Oh, that, yeah, that's not very nice, Nikki. It's not nice. And I'm always very nice to you, except when I'm implying you weren't born in this country. Even though you're from South Carolina, and now I'm gonna beat you in your state. And did you win your home state in the last election? I won Staten Island. <laughs> and the parts of Long Island where the fist fights happen, where they, where they get out of the cars if you honk at them. I love my world star whites. All right, well, that is a new one on me. Okay, we have time for one more question, and it's actually for Ambassador Haley. curious, what would you say was the main cause of the Civil War? Um, and do you think it starts with an S and ends with a lavery? <laughs> yep, I probably should have said that the first time. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. All right. Okay, can I say a couple? First of all, I laughed at the Trump impression several times. He's very good Trump. And, it, and not, only, not only is he a good Trump, the, the dialogue is good. Yeah. Like, he... You, guess, you, you can't just rely on the impression sense. It has to have good lines. Yes, at one point he says, he says that he's in South Carolina, one of the top two Carolinas. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, because it's not that far off from being believable. Like it's something that he would say. And that's the trick of it. Ricky Dicky Tabby. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> Ricky, don't lose that. It's a great number, by the way. A great song, by the way. So he, in fact, he's better than I think Alec Baldwin's was. Right. And they obviously can't him, have him back. No. And Daryl Hammond was really one of the best Trumps. He's one of the best impressionists out there. By the way, um, that is James Austin Johnson yeah. doing that the, the, uh, impression. Anyway, so Nikki shows up. What did you think? As a, as a South Carolina voter yeah. asking Trump questions at this fake town hall. Look, she does a fine job, I think. There's another self-deprecating joke, which was oh, a end? little bit of a, yeah. a, a painful one where they where a black voter asks her. Yes, played uh, by hey, A.U. Atterbury from The Bear. Yes, says, says, hey, what would you say was the the reason for the Civil War and does it begin with an S and end with lavery? And uh, and Nikki Haley says, yeah, I probably should have said that the first time. Now, I, I think the a couple of the lines are pretty decent. I think doing this gig is like kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. You get a lot of press. I thought the cold open was funnier than most. And then, of course, people are like falling all over themselves to say Trump supporters. Are oh, yeah. like, oh, she's an elitist because she's on SNL. It's like, my dude, he hosted SNL. Yeah. And you know what? He hosted SNL. His one the one skit that he on SNL, which, you know, it's like they the people at SNL. It's like this mark of shame for them now. They can't. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like they, they won't even mention it. But because they elevated him. They normalized they elevated, him. They That's they the word they, they, they normalized, normalized him. him. But I have to say for, you know. 
politician candidates always now feel like, oh, if they get invited, they got to go, you know, right. and, and Obama did it and he was not bad. The, the, there's there's this pressure, but it, it, it's very hard to pull off something that is actually genuinely funny because, you know, you can be on the stump and you can you, you can do well with voters one on one and working the crowd. This is essentially stand up and the way you it's acting. Yeah. And it's diff- it's different. Th- you know, reading a cue card or having it in front of you, even if you have your line memorized, there's a lot of pressure there. And these yes. people, the, the actors, I mean, they do improv and, and stand up all the time. So this is their their, their thing. It's much harder for, for a candidate to pull off. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of it is that she's nervous or that, you know, I mean, so it's a little stilted. Yes. But it was fine. I will I, say- I liked the, the dead people joke. Yes. No, again. And the, yeah, that was a good dig. And also, but to go back to Trump when he hosted SNL, he did. There was a video. He spoofed a Drake video. Yes. And he and his. I still laugh bit, at that. It's still funny where it's he says, I "Used to be, I used to be, you know, used to call your accountant." And mm-hmm. he was good. I mean, he and but Trump has TV experience, of as we know, not just from The Apprentice, but going all the way back to maybe Home Alone. Plus, too. he improvs every speech he ever gives. Yes. So. He's all yeah. He he loves that. Tons anyway. of experience. Other SNL news: Shane Gillis ah. will be hosting SNL in. February. Now, this is this is like one of our recurring segments, yeah. uncanceled. Right. Because Shane Gillis here has been uncanceled. He, in 2019, was hired as a an up-and-coming comic, but he was not famous. Right. But they saw a tape. He did his audition. He did five minutes of stand-up for Lorne Michaels and the crew, and they had him to the callback, and then they decided that they were hiring him. This was at the same time that notably they hired their first Asian American cast oh, member Bo- and gay. Yes, Bo and Yang. Yes. So that was simultaneous. So it was around the same time. I believe it was in the same hiring. He was the replacement. Group. Oh. And then uh, tweets were surfaced. No, it actually wasn't tweets. It was, it was podcasts podcast. were surfaced, which is going to be our fate eventually. Um, How about that show I used to be on? Podcast. Shocking! I'm still here. Podcasts were surfaced where he used some inappropriate language yes. for About various my people. minority groups. Yes. And he was promptly fired yeah. before he ever got to yes. appear. But now he's back to host because after he got canceled for this and fired from his his brand new job, he went on being a comic. And although he apologized, he did sort of the like, I apologize if people were offended, kind of, but I stand by my comedy and I'm going to keep being controversial. Mm-hmm. And he kept being controversial ish i mean he's not yeah. all that controversial and and it turns out that was really popular he's yeah. become a huge, huge no he's comic. huge now yeah is like, he doesn't he have a thing on netflix is it he yeah. has i believe it's called beautiful dogs okay his, his, yeah. he also does a great trump impression by the way but so this, this is from the new york times yeah. since getting fired from saturday night live in 2019 after videos surfaced of him using asian and gay slurs on a podcast gillis has built perhaps one of the fastest growing comedy careers in america his debut special released on YouTube in 2021, racked up a staggering 14 million views. And he's the most popular podcaster on Patreon with 71,000 paying listeners. Beautiful Dogs, his second special, has been lodged in Netflix's top 10 most popular shows since the streamer released it on September 5th. He regularly sells out theaters. Don't be surprised if he becomes an arena act. That was a, that was about a year ago, that reporting. Yeah. Or six months ago, that yeah. reporting. So yeah, he's back to, does, to host. Does this, does, does this officially mean that, of all places, it's the same place that fired him now, yeah. wanted back. It's not like uh, it turned out to be a mistake what he said on the podcast. Well, so it's interesting because I think that canceled comedians are often interesting comedians. And what SNL is having to do is to import 
an interesting to comedian grapple with who this. they formerly fired because he's the hotness. Does, does it mean that? Does it mean that the cancel culture is now officially ebbing? I, I'm not sure it means that, but let's like, uh, let's who's like is, is Louis C.K. going to be the week after? You know. <laughs> so, by the way, I believe I stole a joke from Gillis. I I credited him. Uh, I didn't do Harvard I've style. I've never done that. I didn't no. do Harvard style. No. I credited him, but um, Shane Gillis is the one who said that well, when Biden's done with his speeches, he turns into a Roomba. Yeah. Which is just right. such a fantastic yeah. image. Uh, here he is using, it must be noted, the arsler, as some refer to it. But here he is in some of his sort of typical stand-up. I know I said retarded there a couple times. My bad on that. <laughs> I'm not trying to give myself a pass on being able to use that word. But I will say, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, I do have family members with Down syndrome. It almost got me up. I dodged it, but it nicked me. It nicked me. Bit of a daywalker myself. <laughs> My Uncle Danny sneaks grilled cheese sandwiches into restaurants just in case they don't serve grilled cheese sandwiches. I don't know where he's getting these fucking things. It's the best. It's the best. You'll be out to dinner with him. You look across the table. You see him sneaking at grilled cheese. Just... Yo, yo, where'd you get that cheese, Danny? His dad's with him. He's like, that fucker, he's been making them at night. I know he is. I'm not making him at night, Dad. Then <laughs> he'll look at you and be like, I'm Yeah, he's back to host, but this is not the first time yeah. that a comedian has been fired from SNL and then brought back to host. In fact, I have a clip of another person who this happened to. And you know, when the people, when the people here asked me to do the show, you know, I got to say, I felt kind of weird, you know. I, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, I used to actually be on this show, you know. <laughs> Uh, I used to do the uh, weekend update news routine. You remember that? And, uh, yeah. That's where I did the make-believe news jokes, you know? That was me, right? So then, a year and a half ago, right, I had a sort of a, a disagreement with the management at, uh, at the NBC. Uh, I wanted to keep my job, right? <laughs> And they felt the exact opposite. So, so you see, they like, uh, they fired me because they said that I wasn't funny, you know? Now, now with most jobs, I could have had a hell of a lawsuit on my hands for that, but, but see, this is a comedy show. So they got me, you know, you know what? You know what? But now, this is the weird part, right? It's only a year and a half later, and now, they asked me to host the show. <laughs> so I wondered, I go, hey, wait a second here. Hey! I go, how did I go in a year and a half from being not funny enough to be even allowed in the building <laughs> to being so funny that I'm now hosting the show? How did I suddenly get so goddamn funny? <laughs> inexplicable to me because a year and a half let's face it, is not enough time for a dude to learn how to be funny <laughs> then it occurred to me i haven't gotten funnier the show has gotten really bad <laughs> so yeah i'm funny compared to you know well you'll see later <laughs> 
Okay, so let's recap. The bad news is, I'm still not funny. The good news is, the show blows. He goes on to say, we've got a terrible show. Norm MacDonald. Coming up. In case you were, Norm, the, the great, the, the great, late, the late, the great, late great Norm, Norm MacDonald. I don't even, are we allowed to play that clip? Is SNL going to come after us? At any rate, Norm is funny. And that was his revenge monologue yes. on SNL. So I think we can expect some fun stuff from Shane. Well, I think it would be really good if they did uh, a skit with Shane Gillis and Bowen Yang, putting them in sort of, <laughs> yeah, and, and perhaps you do a role reversal, you know, where yeah. Shane Gillis has to pay somebody who's, you know, uh, gay and Asian. Well, so. I, th- I do think it's interesting because Shane Gillis ended mm-hmm. up sort of right coded, right? He's yeah, like a little bit of like, not, but... Uh, but the thing, this is, this is what it is. It's that the left and the entertainment right. industry are so incapable yeah. of accepting anyone even if you do moderately not. normal. Right. Well, they're extremely that, doctrinaire. Right. That he became, he's like, I'm not like some right winger. And this New York Times piece that attempts to make sense of him is like, yeah. it's funny. He, it's odd. He's sort of. He makes fun of Red America, but like he's also he's also uh, right. giving a satirical critique of the left. They, like, it's like, oh, is it comedy? Is that what it is, guys? Well, so that sounds like them, what it might be. Again, so much of the, so much of uh, the other side is just used to having one side being made fun of, and they right. don't actually like to be made fun of themselves. And so it's so it's you know uh, it, it's so disconcerting. When what? How dare you say something? Because I thought I liked you. Uh, with with Shingles is interesting because I thought what might have gotten him in trouble is that, you know, it was a podcast, but it seemed more conversation than it was stand-up or shtick. So you couldn't tell if what he was saying was actually him being honest about how down he was on Asian food, which I feel very strongly about, and also how he sort of belittled MSG, monosodium glutamate. Oh, as, you was know, that, but, a pro- that was oh, the problem for yeah, you. Yeah, for okay. me, I mean, because that's, that's real umami. It's nothing to be dismissed as just some right, right. brown sauce. It's it's the real deal. It makes everything, and it's and it's back it to being really good tracks for you. that that was your concern. Yeah, I was like, yeah. how dare he go after the MSG? That food is good. Now he is right about the questionable meat. Did he apologize for that? No, I'm still waiting for that. All right, shall we do some Hill news? Yes. There's an immigration bill, guys, and that always means that things will go smoothly, and everyone will be in agreement. And there will be no tussles about what's actually in the bill. Wrong. Actually, the opposite of all of that. Opposite of all. Say finally, we got something that more than we could even ask for. Let's just pass this, conference it, and sign it. This is great. Vic, we're going to help people try to make sense of this, but are we going to though? It's complicated. It does feel complicated. complicated. Okay, so there is a Senate bipartisan immigration bill. This rightly strikes fear into many people's hearts, particularly those who are interested in border security. Yeah. Because usually what happens with a bipartisan immigration deal is that you have a lot of promises about border security and you have a lot of stuff you're giving away to the left in order to get those promises about border security. And then those promises about border security are never, ever, ever ever fulfilled. Yeah. Okay, there's a long, long track record of this. Uh, so people are uh, skeptical. The Republican who has been at the helm of this negotiation has been Senator Langford of Oklahoma. Yep. And people are mad. Okay, they don't like it. Because it's too tough. No. The concern is that it is not tough enough. And that, okay, so th- what the main concern is, is that, look, Border hawks, immigration hawks, of which I count myself at this point, even though I used to be a moderate because they've ticked me off so bad. 
say, okay, we cannot, first of all, Biden has the ability with executive orders to reverse what he did when he came into office to go back to the Trump baseline, to the Trump solution, yes. frankly, solutions I, for which he I, deserves a lot of he, credit. He just said, though, that his hands are tied. He's done everything he can do. Yeah. He can't do any more than mm -hmm. that. He needs Congress to act. Actually, yeah. let's hear a let's hear a little clip of the always eloquent President Biden. You need help. Why won't they give you the help all the time? And now they're talking about the border. It's out of control. So the border's out of control because he did what he did. Yeah. Also right. that. That's the other quote from that clip. As if, as if he, yeah. yeah. As if, as if he. Sounds like he, my toddler. As if he has an aversion to executive orders. <laughs> it's the first thing he did going right. into office was reversing all of Trump's, stopping the wall. Yeah. Stop the wall from being built. Come on. Come we got to make ourselves a magnet. That. Surge We that. can't do stay in Mexico. Yeah. So. Now we have this insane baseline of some, is it 10,000 encounters a day? I mean, it's yeah. crazy. So millions and millions of people have come across the border. Undocumented. We don't uh, know. They go in. We have. Right. Many of them are, are allowed doing? in via very lax asylum yeah. processes where you yeah. just, as soon as you touch grass mm -hmm. in America, you have to be processed that way. I give you a slip of paper that says come back like 10 years from now for your check-in. I'm not even no, exaggerating. That's not even Sometimes it is 10 years. No, it's like 2030 for some yeah. of these people. So you just go live your life in America and then never come back for your court date, which is, that's how that goes. Yeah. So now we have this crazy baseline. And this bill, I'm going to give it the good faith reading, mm -hmm. attempts to say, okay, we've got this insane baseline of 10,000 per day. Let's give increased authority or repeat authority to say if we hit 5,000, there's some controversy whether it's a day yes, or a week. There is the controversy question. about that. I yeah. do not know what the answer is. If we hit this 5,000 number, whether it's per day or per week, shut down the border, everybody gets turned away. Now, Hawks make the correct argument that don't, couldn't we just do that already? Yeah. Like we could shut down the border now. Right. So they're saying, look, you're accepting the Biden baseline for this number which is going to put us in a bad position moving forward. Mm -hmm. Now, folks on the other side would say this is incrementalism. If we continue with this trajectory, millions more will come across by the time yeah. either Biden or Trump wins this election. That's now, you right. could hope that Trump would change the situation, but Biden's certainly not going to. So they argue we could change the rules now to get fewer people coming in over those months. Right. And I believe there's a provision that would change the asylum rules so that they're much stricter. Right. So the, the touch the touch grass in the U.S. thing That's would right. not apply anymore. Is no, that correct? Yeah. Well, I was going to say one of the things you don't see in the bill is the usual Democratic demand for exchange in exchange for amnesty. We will get tougher on the border. But everybody who's already here, the dreamers, we're going to help all these people. They're going to become American citizens. That's not in here. I do think that is very notable. Yeah. Because in my memory, having been in this town for mm -hmm. too a big long surrender. now. That is always. There's always an amnesty yeah. part, whether it's for some sympathetic group mm -hmm. or a larger group or what, whoever's mm -hmm. here now. And there is no part of that in right. this bill, which is interesting. Right. That does seem like a move in the correct it, direction. It, it tells me that the Biden White House and Democrats do recognize how dire the situation is, because, I mean, if they had their druthers, you know, again, they'd let everybody in. And as long as you can keep them down in the, in the red states, it doesn't matter to people at Martha's Vineyard. Well, or, I do. That's know, what changed the calculation yeah, on this for everyone. Right. He was, should be. We should consider, like Greg Abbott and yeah. Ron DeSantis, vindicated because mm -hmm. the original, the initial outrage about the cruelty. Well, you know, let's 
just just limit the cruelty to your state is what they meant by it. Yes. As long as I don't have to see it, I'm all for the open borders and sanctuary cities. And we'll just call you hateful yeah. for not dealing with it yeah. in stride. Now I can't go to the Roosevelt Hotel, you know? I mean, there are like, I was reading about a rec center, I believe, in Massachusetts that's yeah. just completely taken over. Yeah. And the, People, tax, the taxpayers of that town and yeah. the children who need the rec center mm-hmm. cannot use the rec center. You know, and it, it initially baffled me because a lot of the countries in, in, in that triangle in Central America, when you talk about Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, you know, it's anywhere between three, six, seven million people total for the whole country. And we have like two, three million you know, illegals here. Is it all empty? But the question is, should I just move down there now? You know, beachfront property. I'm going to Tegucigalpa, but in fact, I mean, like first on my list is Argentina, and then I'll go, yeah, yeah. that's right. Just, no. just for the, the Malay, place, to, Malay style. I go to Costa Rica, but you don't see a lot of Costa Ricans coming to this country illegally. The but the truth is, they're coming from around the world. Yeah. That's the thing. Yes. They're coming from countries where you're worried about. You know, I mean, Donald Trump has a much more you know brusque way of describing the people coming from the other countries. Yeah. But you do have concerns. I yeah. mean, if they're coming from the Middle East or wherever, as they yeah, that's right. Uh, are often referred that to. That is a concern. But here's the other thing, Mary Catherine. I do think that the Senate Republicans are right, that this is as good as it's going to get for these Democrats to be willing to give us that much. Right. And then maybe the half loaf, even a quarter loaf is better than no loaf. The Republicans, of course, in the House, like Mike Johnson, are arguing that, you know, this is terrible. And there are a lot of the concerns that you mentioned and more, including... You know, basically, Alejandro Mayorkas at DHS has control over a lot of this. That I mean, that is right? a concern, right? Is that if you set new rules and or double, yeah. double super yeah. rules, like to rules that we already have, you're relying on the same people who are not enforcing the old rules right. to rely to enforce the new rules. Right. And that does seem like a sucker's game. Right. That being said, let me read from the Border Patrol Union, yeah. which does not always reflect the rank and file right. views of the of the guys on the ground, but... This is reported by Bill Malugin of Fox News, who is on the ground at the border all the time. Since Joe Biden has been in office, CBP has averaged over 6,700 apprehensions per day, and the vast majority have been released under a policy known as catch and release. Approximately 60% of all border apprehensions are single adults, a good number of whom are men of military age. The Border Act of 2024 will codify into law authorities that U.S. Border Patrol agents never had in the past. This will allow us to remove single adults expeditiously. Families would get a different treatment. And without a lengthy judicial review, which historically has required the release of these individuals into the interior of the U.S., this alone will drop illegal border crossings nationwide and will allow a great many of our agents to get back to detecting and apprehending those who want to cross our borders illegally and evade apprehension. While not perfect, the Border Act of 2024 is a step in the right direction and is far better than the status quo, which is why the National Border Patrol Council endorses this bill and hopes for a quick passage. I don't think you're getting quick passage. You might get a discussion about it. But yeah, so that's uh, there's also an internal memo in the border patrol says similar things there are yeah. new rules in here that right. could actually be useful tools for us right. so right and, and 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 add on to that by the way the other aid package for israel ukraine ah uh, yes taiwan right even centcom middle east and their red sea operations and you can make the argument that they can agree to these things separately but the fact is it's all in here and if you agree to this that this this border bill that is the toughest that you they think they'll you'll ever get extract from these Democrats, and in addition to that, throw in the aid to these countries, and they're in dire need, and the U.S. military is in dire need of this as well, this would be a good thing to do. That said, the House Republicans can just argue that if we wait 11 months, maybe we'll get a better deal, but I don't think the world can wait 11 months. 
I, well, this is okay. Yes, I am concerned with what's happening day to day right now. And could you change that? However, Republicans have a point when they say, okay, so we're going to have a giant, divisive, nasty conversation within our caucus about this thing, right? And in the end, are we actually going to get enforcement? Because if we trade right. a political issue for a sucker's deal yeah. and no enforcement, mm -hmm. then that makes no sense mm -hmm. for us, even if some good faith people argue that you will get it. I right. think it's reasonable to assume you wouldn't. I think it's yeah. reasonable to assume that. they. Not only is Mayorkas in charge of some of these things, yeah. but it goes straight to- Based uh, on past performance, right. as they say. Who's like, isn't he under impeachment right now for not yeah. enforcing things? Okay. And then it also goes for review to the D.C. Circuit Court uh, versus another federal court, yeah. which is much more liberal. Right. So people are concerned. And I do think that in all of these deals forever, there's been a public trust problem because the enforcement part never comes to pass. Right. Unless you're Donald Trump and you do actually get credit mm -hmm. for that, right? He, and he did most of that with the yeah. pen in the phone, Obama style, with executive orders. But it actually worked. Yeah. And people remember that. Moving forward, do I think that people are going to buy from Biden that the border is bad because Republicans wouldn't help him on this one bill? I don't think they're going to buy that. They're hoping for that. I mean, this is the political hand grenade and right. it's like going back and forth and who's going to get blamed for it because they will do and probably the media will do everything in their power to say, see, they oh, had yeah. a good deal, but they turned it yeah. down because they're, you know, it's all politically motivated. They don't actually care about all these things. That is going to happen. Yeah. And the fact is it, it's going to happen because it's it, the bill is basically dead. It's not going yeah. through the House. Right. So, I mean, everything that we're discussing even now. By uh, the way, the Wall Street Journal, which doesn't help with the, the Freedom Caucus in, in no. the House, by the way. The Wall Street Journal endorsement says if Republicans reject this bill, they will hand Democrats an argument that the GOP wants border chaos that they can exploit as a campaign issue. The chaos will continue for at least another year. That's the part I'm genuinely worried about. Yeah. Republicans may think they can write a better law if Mr. Trump wins in November, but don't count on it. Democrats will again demand much more in return. If Republicans pass up this rare chance at border reform, they may not get a better one. I, I'm torn on this one, yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's... Well, here's, here's the fear. The fear, again, yeah. if you go back for fewer Republicans strictly speaking from a political point of view, is, you know, we do our job, even if we do it well, like in 1996, right. Gingrich and the House Republicans, and they forced Clinton's hand to sign the welfare to work bill. Everything is great. The Democrats on the far left, I remember them decrying right. Bill Clinton. Rob Reiner, you know, just, you know, condemning Bill Clinton's actions right. for signing this welfare to work bill to force people to work. That's unheard of. And of course, Clinton won handily. That was in the summer of 96, yeah. and then he won in November. And you can't help but think that that's part of the calculus for House Republicans as well, is that, you know, they're removing this wedge issue and that, you know, it's going to... My friend Guy Benson has a nice rundown of all of this and yeah. suggests that, like, why not make the passage and implementation of this legislation contingent upon Biden reversing the foolish, reflexive executive policies yeah. he put into place at the very start of 2021? I mean, we could wish. I mean, that, that would be a sign of good faith yeah. from the White House that like, hey, we actually think this is a problem. And we noticed that the things we did made it worse. But I, you ain't getting that no one's getting from, this, no. from this White House. By the way, another guy who's not helping sell the bill is Chris Murphy of the Democratic yeah. Senate caucus, who notes that, uh, don't don't worry, guys. He's tweeting like, don't worry, guys, the, the border won't actually close. <laughs> and it's like, don't keep, you know, keep that in. Yeah, he said the quiet part out loud. The border never closes, but claims must be processed at the ports, is what he's saying. Anyway, 
There's a lot of people want the border closed. God, they really do. They really do. Then the facts. Then. I, I'm, gl- I'm glad that we had a very decisive. Look, I've wish... taken a very strong stand. I wish I was decisive about this one. My, no, it's, it's, my it's, gut it's, says it's don't believe one. anything from these people. That's what my gut okay, says. Yeah. Yeah. If I were on the hill, yeah. that that's what that's the proposition I'd I can the position it. I'd be arguing. I think you could pay a price for that, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But uh, I again, the see, House we're sort of we're interested. sort of nominally on on opposite sides of this. Yeah, one. like yeah, just are. barely. We are I, tepidly know, on opposite sides. I would be I just would, like I Hannity would, and Combs. I would be just like, oh, <laughs> don't make bad. don't make me Combs, please. <laughs> I, I know I have glasses. <laughs> Never. This is this is good. That we're giving we're guy. giving our listeners, yeah, a safe space. Yeah, yeah, we are. Okay. Okay. This is how it feels. Though. You mean you feel the same way? All right. We got to finish up with some Grammy oh talk. Oh my god. We got a few yeah, minutes. Let's do it. We do. Um, we do. This is actually an, yet another uncanceled moment, which is that remember the Washington Post wrote about how Tracy Chapman's fast oh, car yeah. being covered by Emily countries. R. Emily R. In the countries. Post, yeah. Luke Combs was yeah. terrible. It was. It was so just it a. It was a complicated case of cultural appropriation and it highlighted lack of diversity in Nashville and da 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 just doomsday. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was the whole thing that she'd never be uh, a country music star because you know she's she's queer uh-huh. and you know country music people. Yes. Well, that was yeah. That's the argument. Except now she also had like a top country hit for most of the year that's her writing credit on the beautiful i would argue royalties to her i would argue maybe perfect song fast car first brought to the world's attention at a wembley stadium tribute i believe to nelson mandela wow where she was legend has it i believe this is this is correct someone else was supposed to perform in that slot she had already performed earlier i think to a less Mm -hmm. high stakes situation Mm -hmm. And then someone couldn't perform. I believe it was Stevie Wonder. And she had to be put out on stage. And she does this song, which is a very quiet song. It is. Right? And it's it, like and a, it, became a, it became such a big hit when that song came out. And in fact, my sister had the album. I remember we listened to it. She had it on vinyl. Right. And oh, we it, did too. It was, was, a, like, it was who, a big one. Who on, is this person? Yeah. So she performed it at, at Wembley Stadium, to this, like an arena, an open arena. And with her single guitar and her voice, she silenced this crowd with this song. Well, so after this Washington Post piece comes out, we all have a tortured cultural conversation about whether it's okay to like Fast Car if Luke Combs is doing it. I'm excited about because Luke Combs, a white guy from North Carolina, Mm -hmm. his father introduced him to the song of a black woman in 1988, queer, Yeah. right? This is the thing. Oh, this can't happen in our racist, racist country. And yet it did. And yet it they did. They don't want it to happen. And, That's the thing. They don't want it to happen. They right. like the separation. And Luke Combs loved this song so much yeah. that he covered it, made it a number one hit on the country charts, bringing it to a whole new generation. Mm-hmm. He didn't even change the lyrics. He had so much respect for yeah. her that he made it, I work in the market as a checkout girl. Didn't change it. And Tracy Chapman, who is quite reclusive. Yeah. Did issue some statements saying, like, I'm proud that it's at the top of the country right. song. But she didn't speak and she about also, it a lot. And she also replied to that post piece by saying, my goal is never to top the country charts. Yeah. You know, that's okay. So Fine. then comes the Grammy. Oh, yeah. And Tracy Chapman, who has not performed this song no. in forever, no. 
She's older now, and I realize if she's older, that means I'm older. You are. That's so depressing. Shows up. If you watch the Wembley thing, I mean, she's a baby. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I think she was yeah. 20-something. Yeah, yeah. She comes out on stage with Luke Combs, candlelight sort of situation mm-hmm. behind them. She had a super cool outfit on, by the way. Just like very understated, very Tracy Chapman. Yes. And they perform Fast Car together, trading verses. And when the crowd went wild for her, she teared up a little bit. The smile on her face. I'm, I'm surprised she got through the first line because yeah. it was very clear she was emotional. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. It was. Best performance? I mean, you got to give it to that one. Yeah. Also, Billy Joel. Did Billy Joel do his new song? Oh, he did. Turn the lights back on, which is kind of reminds me of She's Always Woman. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. Similar chord shifts and progressions. But there was a lot going on in this Grammys. And I yes, wanted to actually, say Hold this. on. First, okay. let's, let's do oh, a, good. I didn't know you had a clip. Let's do a little clip of Fast Car just so we get the opening of that. I got a job that pays all our bills. Stay out drinking late at the bar. Support your friends and you do your kids. I'd always hope for better. But maybe together you and me find it. I got no plans. I ain't going nowhere. Take your best car and keep on driving. But you know, really beautiful moment. Yes. Okay, so then we have... So Billy Joel, I didn't even know this one. No, and that was going to, they say that to the end. So I ended up having to watch it later on the news because, you know, they always, they tease these things out like, and later on, I had zero interest in watching these Grammys, except for that my daughter is big on it because she loves, obviously, Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. Olivia Rodrigo, and a new up and coming star in a more jazz pop category. Her name is Leve, and she Mm. won the Grammy for best, I think, traditional pop album. And I happen to I have to tell you, I've heard the whole album and it's amazing. Nice. And she's half Chinese, half Icelandic. So a hundred percent hot. I mean talented. And just She's actually the guest on SNL with Shane Gillis. No, she's not. It's not true. Oh, okay. But she's she's performing at Radio City Music Hall. So my daughter saw her when she was still like at the you know, doing a small venue at the Lincoln Theater, and now she's become this big hit. And she's so sweet and so humble and just adorable. So she won the Grammy. And then at the Billy Joel's performance, there she is playing. Not only does she play piano, she was playing the cello. Of course. You guys always play a lot of instruments. Our people are pretty talented, Mary Catherine. (laughs) So. (laughs) Sorry. Love it. You got to keep that in. All right. Okay. Oh, but then, but then, but then Annie Lennox. Oh yeah, we don't. I'm not even going to play her. Don't play Annie, her. But Annie she's Lennox. Decided, and I like Annie. She's from Eurythmics. Decided, decided you know. to talk about ceasefire, right? Yes, she just yeah, said at the very end. I guess her song wasn't about how Hamas was offered a ceasefire, and they were like, "Nah." They keep on turning pass. it down, and they have hostages. It was artists for ceasefire, peace mm-hmm. around the okay, world. Okay. By the way, I believe that political statement from her was during the in memoriam. Yes, it was in poor taste. Yeah, in poor taste. No. This is not about you. Okay. Then we have, speaking of making news, right. Taylor Swift. Oh, yes. Announces a new uh, And apparently album. this is a big deal for her to announce a new album because- I'm told it is. Uh, the Swifties have told me it's a large deal. Um, but she announces this new uh, yeah. album that's coming out April 19th. Uh, it is called Tortured Poets Department. Mm-hmm. Dead Poets Society was already taken. That was taken. Yeah. I am not a Swifty, and therefore I'm not read in on all the Easter eggs oh, and I'll all, explain. Of, all the numerology. Uh, yes, behind, yes. But how do you know about this? this? Well, I just know it exists, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. But this is this is a theory that I am going to back, and it is this. Hold on one second. Remember Taylor Swift 
pre-Travis Kelsey dated that British actor guy who was like not really Styles. into Harry it. Styles. No, 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 sorry. What was his name? Joe Alton. Oh, Alwyn. Okay. Alwyn, yeah, Joe Alwyn. That was Harry Styles? For many years. And he was like, didn't talk about her in public. It was not a publicly embraced situation. Okay. It didn't like seem super. Old. So she, they break up. Now she's with Travis Kelsey. This is a, twice the man that that guy must have been. This is a Twitter theory. April nineteenth is known as the shot heard around the world, the start of the revolution. The battles of Lexington and Concord on April nineteenth, seventeen seventy five, are considered the start of the American Revolution. Taylor is declaring her independence in song from a certain Britain, and I love this ridiculous based patriotic theory about April 19th. Here for it. I'm sure it's made up. Okay. <laughs> so my daughter mentions this when she she's a total Swifty, of course, and most of these young teens, they're all into this. And she was telling me about depending on what outfit she's wearing, you know? So if you see her at a Chiefs game at Arrowhead, she's wearing this color or that right, color. Right. It could mean this. It could it mean that. It all matters. Because it's a puzzle she's box. She's bringing Nick. back the old albums after she had that big dispute, the financial dispute, yes. with, you know? And and so she, it's either that or maybe it's going to be new material. And so she goes up there. And the numerology you mentioned, these mm-hmm. Easter is insane. She goes up. I said, oh, great. She won. And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, just it's going to be an acceptance speech. And then she mentions a new album. And the reaction from my daughter, it was as if they were telling me that the Beatles were getting back together. Yeah, Somehow they brought them back from the dead and they're here tonight to perform <laughs> a new album. Big deal. Yeah. That Huge was pretty deal. crazy. It was pretty. And then one last thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe Jay-Z was re- receiving some sort of like oh. impact mm-hmm. award. It sounded like a lifetime achievement yeah. type deal. Mm-hmm. And he had something to say about the fact that Beyonce has won a ton of Grammys, mm-hmm. but she's never won Album of the Year, yeah. which is surprising. I remember when Lemonade came out, people were real mad that yeah. that didn't win Album of the Year. But I also think that just like, yeah. better part of Valor just to accept your award. You uh, know what? She has I, l- tons of Grammys. And after he did it, didn't he go over and grab Taylor Swift's Grammy from her? Oh, wait a minute. That <laughs> it, was somebody that was else. Just, that was a different that guy. Was, that was a guy. Okay. Yeah. I do want to mention this really quickly because it's my band, you 2 that Bono, they were performing, I think it was in the sphere. Nevertheless, he mentions October 7. And it's right. it, in that there's always this little quiet interlude when they do the live performance of Pride in the Name of Love, which was dedicated to Martin Luther King. Right. And he gets to do his soapbox routine. In the light of what's happened in Israel and Gaza, uh, a song about nonviolence seems somewhat ridiculous, even laughable, but our prayers. Have always been for peace and uh, and for nonviolence. So he, he changes the lyric, which was the original is "Early morning, April four, shots ring out in the Memphis sky," and instead it's October seven. Ah. And he talks about he said that the, those beautiful people and the stars of David they took your life, but they couldn't take your pride. And that is really surprising because they always go out of the way to say, you know, we're for nonviolence, we're about peace, blah blah blah. And they've always been that way. Greenpeace, Amnesty International, and you know they emerged out of the troubles in Ireland. I could talk about this for an hour, by the way. But in the end- <laughs> You got some numerology for I us? I do. Oh, believe me. <laughs> in the song Vertigo, he says, uno, dos, tres, catorce, because the 14th is the 14th album. That's how, why he says that. That's in Vertigo. Which is only one off from Taylor Swift. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, okay. So in, in, in any event- Good for them because, yeah. you know, I don't know if that crowd was into that. No, and I think the Grammys themselves also institutionally, there was a person on stage who I believe was like a honcho who mentioned the Nova Music Festival oh. specifically. Okay, good. And, yeah. you know, some right. more than 250 people killed at, yeah. a music festival, at a music festival, which seems like a logical thing in to pay tribute itself, to. Is, is, 
It's unspeakable. Uh, like, insane. Yeah. It seems like a logical thing to pay tribute to at the Grammys, but like you said, the crowd in the room, maybe they didn't pan the camera during that uh, yeah. part of the speech, I, I wonder. Yeah. But I'm glad that those two things happened. Yes. That makes Same. me feel better. Do we have a few minutes for Elmo? Oh, right. All right, give it to me. Okay. I don't. Okay, this is a segment called Vic doesn't know. Vic doesn't news. know what's happening. I don't okay. know what's happening. So I don't know. This is true. <laughs> She's about to tell me something that I have no idea about. Okay. This is the New York Times story from the beginning of this controversy. On Monday, the X account for Elmo, the fuzzy red monster. This is about a week ago, from Sesame Street. Posed a softball question to its almost five hundred thousand followers. Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? In no. thousands of responses. Social media users let Elmo know that no, actually, they were not doing too hot. Elmo, I'm depressed and broke, one wrote. Others told Elmo that they had been laid off or they were anxious about the 2024 election or that their dog had rolled around in goose feces. So you know, a wide range, wide range. A lot of trauma dumping on oh. Elmo, which I would say, guys, just for a, this is like rule of thumb. Yeah. If uh, someone is still young enough to be referring to themselves in third person, don't trauma dump on them. That's not your place for that. <laughs> Elmo's just a He's a Muppet, but he's a child Muppet. Like, let's just, you know. You're not going to get a lot of child responses, though, because it's on X. I hope there's not a lot of kids on <laughs> No, no, no. Twitter. I'm just saying the adults oh, yeah, the to adults, not be yeah. dumping but on they, you Elmo. Know, but they did this, was, and, they, and they used Elmo, I guess. Yeah, they went just, all in on this. Okay. Oh. But then Elmo showed up on the Today Show to talk about mental health awareness. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Emotional well-being. Sure. Okay. That's a healthy conversation. Yeah. But you know who was there was Larry David. Also on the show that day, and we're going to play a little bit of... Oh, no. This is Joy Behar of The View explaining what happened on today. The new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm hasn't even started yet, but it feels like we're all living in an episode right now. <laughs> after, what, after what Larry D David did to Elmo on the Today Show yesterday. Watch. Let's go over to Alfred, check the weather. And not yet, not wait, just, wait, wait, not wait. Yet. Cut no, away wait, wait, to the weather, wait, wait. and then they go back to Elmo real quick on the Today Show, who's behind the couch being puppeteered, and Larry David physically attacking Elmo. Elmo. So, and then, and he's, then he walks away. And he's walking away grinning. Okay. Ask permission before you touch people, Larry. Oh, Larry, okay. you've gone too far this time. <laughs> yes, Larry. Sure. Somebody had to do it. Say you're sorry. Elmo. Larry. I just want to apologize. Thank you, Larry. So, Elmo oh, accepts your apology. Oh, he, he accepts it. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, okay. Elmo. Right, thank oh, you. So that's what happened on the Today Show. How, what's your position on Larry David attacking Elmo? It's a great promo to get people uh, ready to watch the last, the final season. The, it's not even, it's it's the final, it's the series finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, it, so you might as well a, go out with some pizzazz that and do something episode. shocking yeah. like assaulting a puppet. Okay. Yeah. So then The View proceeds to have a discussion oh, no. about whether this yeah. was okay. Here we go. Okay, oh. so uh, people are outraged, you know, that mm -hmm. it's a puppet, folks, okay? There's, it's a Muppet. There's, there's, a, a Muppet. there's a puppeteer with his hand up Elmo's behind. <laughs> he didn't attack a person. Air he muffs, he attacked the felt, this okay? So that's Joy Behar. Yeah. She's in the mm -hmm. It's Fine to Attack Elmo camp. Mary Catherine, I was going to say, how dare you put me in a position of siding with Joy Behar? I <laughs> <laughs> Dark times. How dare you? Look, as I said on Twitter, I think after being trauma dumped on all week, Elmo was probably glad to run into somebody who wasn't a total puss. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that on this show? On that note, <laughs> that wraps up this rather lengthy episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. 
I'm MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Elmo's going to be teaching resilience classes after he's had that run-in with Larry David, and that's what the nation needs. A lot more resilience, a lot less trauma dumping, so I wish him the best. Thanks for getting Hammer responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.